Wow, oh wow, do we hear a lot about customer experience these days. But when we hear the buzzword customer experience and people talk about placing the customer in the center, using the customer as a reference point, what does it mean in practice? How do you do it? When you move away from the buzzwords and you actually start executing real plans for real customers, things become much harder. And today on episode number 290 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with somebody who knows. We're speaking with Duta Satadip, who is the global head of customer operations at Pinterest, and previously he was at Google. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. And I'm so, oh, oh, wait, wait, before I forget, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. And there's a tweet chat taking place right now using the hashtag CXOTalk. Duda Saradip, how are you? And uh, thanks so much for, for being here. Thank you, Michael, for having me. So, uh, so Duda, tell us uh, about your role at Pinterest. I joined Pinterest recently, and uh, to just to give a quick background, Pinterest is in the business of helping users discover what they would like to do and then do them in real life. And I joined Pinterest from Google because I think there's a big opportunity to combine, op uh, combine customer experience, bringing the customers at the center of how we operate as a business. So customer experience, is that, uh, well, well, how do you define customer experience? Let me ask you that way. So the customer experience is effectively the sum of all the interactions uh, that any customer user has with a business. And the reason I say it's all the touch points, because it's just not when a customer calls for help. But it starts from the first time anybody engages with your business till the time they um, uh, and, and, then the, and then the lifetime sort of uh, relationship they build with your business. So it's not just transactional. It's a combination of transactions, summing all of them up and the overall relationship that it brings together. So when you, you know, it's interesting to talk about transactions, uh, because when we talk about customer experience, people tend to talk not about transactions, they talk about empathy and sort of feeling. And so what do you mean by transactions? And maybe draw those distinctions for us. Absolutely. I think traditionally, a lot of customer experience work has been around understanding customer satisfaction, understanding uh, net promoter scores. And these are great, I would say, backward-looking indicators of uh, and, and, and scores and measures of how customers uh, engage with the business. Um, uh, what has been sort of also part of this journey is, for the most part, uh, these have been mostly centered around the customer service type of organizations, which is mostly, you know, I ask a question and I get a response and how will I do in that? I think when we talk about empathy, a lot of this is around the, 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 a lot of this is around specifically, are we listening to customers well? Are we answering the questions well? Are we 
empathizing and putting ourselves in the shoes of the customer so that they can get a very good outcome for an individual transaction. I think as businesses have grown and evolved, um, most customers now have to focus on not just acquiring and answering questions, but a lot of it is around customer retention. And thereby, now the shift has become, okay, what are the customer, great customer experience? What is it that we are doing to get great customer outcomes? When you combine experience and outcomes, that's kind of customer success. And what makes it really customer operations is those are the great external things for customers. But I think the big shift that we're all trying to work towards is how do we as businesses understand these goals and put the customers in the middle of all of our business operations and how we execute internally. I think everybody talks about doing that. Uh, it's so, so, so first off then, why does everybody talk about that? And then maybe we should discuss the challenges of actually doing it in practice. I think, uh, this is one of those things, right? It's like motherhood and apple pie. It sounds amazing. It sounds good, but it's extremely hard to do. Traditionally, the way most organizations have evolved, grown is um, there are executives, there are functions, and each of the functions are um, incentivized to perform one or two things and do them really well. Those types of incentives typically drive some version of either siloed organizations or siloed incentives. And that is why it is super hard to bring in the concept of customer in, because when we talk from the perspective of a customer, they honestly don't care whether marketing's goal is X and customer goal is Y. They want a seamless experience no matter who they touch. Right from the start, when somebody reached out to them to do something and asked them to invest in their company, in our case, in the form of an advertising campaign, all the way down to when there is a billing issue and somebody needs to resolve that. So I think it's that connecting of the dots across the different organization silos and the measurement and the metrics that go around that, that, that have to now evolve to being more cross-functional, though that's the pivot that we are working towards. So these are organizational issues then that interfere with having the right kind of customer experience. I think that is probably one of the biggest drivers. Um, um, uh, and then the biggest sort of challenges in making this vision real. It is a lot about organizations. It is definitely a lot about understanding the, uh, understanding the challenges in a data-driven way, in an objective way. And ultimately, it is also about the overall culture of the organization. When you talk about in a data-driven way, uh, that seems like a very key point, especially today. Absolutely, I think uh, one of the things, um, one of the things, you know, uh, you know, back at Google when I started, I started there. You know, I was there for seven years when I started initially. Um, Google was growing really well, and one of the things I observed was we celebrated a lot 
But what we celebrated were stories. The time that we saved the customer, the time that we got the great deal. And the challenge with stories is we don't know whether it is a one-off great instance and an example, or is it an actual pattern that we need to suss out and scale and do more of. Where data comes in is to be able to help us to graduate us from these amazing stories to some sort of stats, right? And this evolution from stories to stats is what data provides us. It helps us identify, is it truly a problem? Is it a meaningful problem? And is it something that is going to be repeatable across wide ranges of customers, wide ranges of internal, uh, internal business processes, and then be able to solve that? That's really fascinating. So, so data helps marketers move from stories to stats, and then what? So what's the next part of the chain? I think um, most of the data in this journey that we start with is often backward looking. And that's how, that's how the journey is. It's nothing bad or good. It's we have data, we start to analyze the data, but it's typically backward looking. The true opportunity is to take all of this data and convert it into a science. And the amazing thing is there is a lot of technology available that wasn't available before to actually convert this data into forward-looking insights. On the high end of this, you could apply machine learning algorithms, et cetera. But on the lower side of it, even getting to basic stats that look at sort of um, making predictions, making recommendations um, uh, is, is, is a very, very good start. So the journey that I would sort of summarize is, if you're at the story stage, how do we get to stats? And if you are at stats, how do we convert the stats into a science? Okay. How do you convert the stats into a science? <laughs> Sounds like a great story, but uh, unfortunately, it involves a lot of uh, nitty-gritty, crazy amount of detailed work. So let me sort of g give a little bit of sort of a, um, uh, uh, an example of how we are going about it. Um, ultimately, I believe... These journeys are successful when we understand what is the purpose we are solving and what is the problem we want to solve. Uh, trying to boil the ocean usually never ends up in the right position. Trying to select technology platform before understanding the business problem typically does not end up in the right direction. Um, one of the challenges that we are working off at Pinterest is how do we ensure uh, we're a growing business? Uh, we have, you know, over 200 million uh, uh, active users on Pinterest. We want to grow these numbers. We want to make sure our advertisers and our uh, pinners find value in the system. And as, an, as a newer platform, we've been a company only since 20, uh, 2010, uh, we're going and acquiring a lot of new customers. Now, uh, as we all know, to acquire new customers, uh, our sales teams should be spending more and more time with customers. When we look internally, we see a lot of time being spent on internal activities versus on external activities. So our goal is to have the best customer experience, but if our sales teams are not really talking to customers, understanding their requirements, we are probably missing the mark somewhere. So that's the basic core problem we are trying to solve here. So what does that mean? 
For us, it means truly unpacking what is driving inefficiency in our system. So at this point in time, we are in the process of making sure that we are building that one view of the customer, where all of customers' information, not only what they have spent with us and all the financial stuff, but also connecting that with all the issues, et cetera, that they have seen so far. What have we tried to work with them? How are our product adoption metrics looking? And give a 360-degree view of that customer in one place. Because if we try to solve that problem, now we have the foundation to go back and understand very different type of questions. Specifically, questions like, what kinds of services, what kinds of help can we provide to customers to maximize their outcomes? For us, outcomes is campaigns. So is it we need to give them a better understanding of measurement? Is it we need to give them a better understanding of their creatives, which is the image that shows up in the ad? So those are the types of conversations we want to build towards, but our first and the foundational step is having a view of the customer in one place. Is this the difference between customer experience and customer operations, or is this how customer operations supports creating the right kind of customer experience? I think this is the this is the beginning of the difference. This whole data driven approach is one of the I think one of the key hallmarks. And you're absolutely right. It's being done in service of making sure that we are able to deliver one not only a great customer experience but also have great customer outcomes. So to make it real, right? Um, when we talk about experience. Uh, it's probably not the best experience if somebody walks into a meeting with an executive not knowing that there was a trouble running their campaigns and three of their campaigns had some sort of an issue right before the meeting, right? Because chances are the executive who is going to have a conversation knows about that and is going to bring that up. But that's sort of in service of experience. And in terms of operations, if you have done something really well, having that snapshot tidbit right at the hands to make that conversation happen is in the service of customer outcomes. I want to remind everybody that we're speaking with Duda Sadadip, who is the head of customer operations at Pinterest. And right now there's a tweet chat taking place using the hashtag CXOTalk. And so please join in and you can ask your questions. So, so Duda, as you are, you're relatively new to Pinterest, and as you think about the investment decisions, investments of time and money that you need to make in, in terms of furthering customer operations in the support of customer experience, how do you build the framework for making those kind of investment decisions? Uh, that's a great question. You know, when I joined Pinterest, one of the things I knew was, even though I came from Google and I was in a similar business around online advertising, one of the first things I did was actually to go and talk to everybody inside and outside the organization. I talked with about 40 to 50 sales team members to understand what is it they did with customers? Why were customers buying from us? What were the friction points? And what that allowed me to do is to get a very bottoms-up understanding of 
what are the challenges that are pertinent to Pinterest at this point in time for the business circumstances, conditions that we are in, right? And understanding that allowed me to actually stitch together uh, what I talked about before a little bit is what are the touch points that matter? Specifically, how are we working with our customers from start to finish? And the way we articulated it out is we have effectively a few phases that we go through in our engagement interaction with our advertisers. Number one, we are doing some version of planning with our customers, right? Our customers know about us. They have expressed some interest. Uh, we're raising awareness, but we're doing some planning. We want to understand what they want to do. Then we want to go into some version of a pitching, right? Which we construct a pitch, we go to a sell and do on and so forth. Our business is advertising. We get commitments on how much they would like to spend with us. And once we get that commitment, we actually go back and implement. So implement is our next phase. Most advertising campaigns need some kind of optimization, tweaking to make sure we are meeting the customer objectives. So optimization is the second phase, uh, is the next phase. We do some level of upselling. We tell them if they put some more money, they can get better outcomes. Maybe they can get more reach or maybe they can get better conversions, which is people going to their website, right? And last but not the least, we want to package all of the stuff in the form of a nice measurement and give them synthesized outcomes so that we can go back and have a discussion again, which is back to the plan phase and say, hey, we delivered this for you. What can we do, do more for you? How can we help your business grow? So this process of going from plan, pitch, implement, optimize, upsell, measure is the life cycle that we came together after having these conversations internally and externally. So for you, investment decisions follow the customer and the advertiser life cycle. Absolutely. And we look at where is, where, how do we want to operate? What does good look like? And what are the biggest friction points in each of them? And then we can make a decision, hey, this is the place that has the biggest friction. And if we invest something here, this is going to give us the biggest bang for the buck. Obviously, we are running numbers. Obviously, we're running models. They're not always perfect. But that's the, that's the overall approach we are taking to prioritize our investment decisions. Now, the customer lifecycle at a company like Pinterest would be quite different from that at Google. Although I, go, I guess for both Pinterest and Google, you have multiple customers and segments, and so therefore different customer life cycles. But when you were at Google, was this a similar, did, did, did investment again follow the customer life cycle? Yes, we actually went through this process, a version of this process. It was obviously um, different because, you know, Google has uh, many different products in the portfolio, uh, in, uh, from the uh, from the customer uh, perspective, I had the full portfolio of advertising products, which is over 100 products. Uh, so yes, we had to do a little bit more segmentation. Also, the growth trajectory of each of these products determine where and how much you would pr prioritize. But the effective framework remained the same of how we went about finding what matters to customers, 
what matters, what will drive the best outcomes for customers, and what are the biggest friction points for us to enable those outcomes. You know, how do you how do you make even those decisions? Because as you're going through this process, you'll have people who raise their hand or raise their voice the loudest. But that does, so how do you how do you make how do you decide how do you figure it out? I think that is the reality of uh, reality of these these roles and this in this journey. Uh, people feel very very passionate about uh, their segment of the business or their product or how investments should go into a particular product line because it's growing faster than others, right? And this is why I say like starting to establish fact backs from the get go and using data to drive these decisions is a way to sort of bring this together. Now, data is a very technical way of doing this. One of the things that I have always believed is really trying to understand what is it that we want to optimize for. And a lot of this is understanding what my stakeholders want. Because there's an extremely cross-functional role, one of the things I would say is, I spend a lot of time not only at the ground level, but truly understanding what the different, my peers, right, the different executives for the different functional roles are looking to accomplish. And is there a better happy medium? So it's not always if the data says X, let's just do X. Sometimes there is qualitative information that needs to be funneled in. Then the second thing that I always say is, you know, None of this is locked and loaded, and this is the strategy, and we're just going to take six months and execute. I think the best way to look at this is launch and iterate, right? Try something. If there are two competing points of view, and we really don't have a good way to understand, do experiments on both of them with a smaller set of customers and see which one is yielding the best outcomes, and then make the pivots and the investment decisions accordingly. What I've observed is, typically, it's not a choice amongst 40 things. We're really debating about two or three things. And being able to pilot something with two or three uh, choices is far more manageable than trying to boil the ocean with like, you know, a list of like 30, 40 uh, uh, objectives. Duda, how do you uh, reconcile the data and transactional view of customers with the marketing view, which is about touchy-feely and empathy? Can correct because how can data capture that empathy in in any way? Measure it in any way? I think while there is technology to sort of uh, look at things like comments, etc., and scale and do sentiment analysis, etc., this is a little bit of an art and a science, right? Um, I think the data is a good way. I think to shorten the problem or like, you know, refine or segment the problem, right? Uh, but ultimately, there is obviously an element of understanding the business, having business intuition, leveraging our own experiences to sort of layer on top of it. So even for things like marketing outcomes, uh, certain things we know to be true, right? Um we do know like there is a certain level of awareness that will drive um, uh, product adoption, right? Uh, we do need to do announcements and things like that for people to be aware of what we provide. Uh, 
what our value proposition is. Um, they are not necessarily transaction. You can't take these uh, I take these events and say, did I immediately, immediately get X or Y or Z? They're not necessarily performance marketing objectives. Uh, they're probably more longer-term relational metrics that we are looking at. So we do kind of try to balance what is a more long-term needle we are trying to move versus what's a short-term, short-term thing we're trying to do. As an example, if you want to acquire more customers in a more performance marketing-oriented way, then the metrics are a lot more uh, uh, tied in and it's more metrics first versus if you're trying to build brand awareness, visibility, relationship, etc., it's a little bit more longitudinal. Do you use uh, proxies? Do you look at data as and say, okay, well, this data, if, if a customer is doing this, if they're leaving more comments or whatever it might be, that this means that we're somehow touching them in an emotional way? Absolutely. Um, we definitely look at both qualitative and quantitative, the frequency of interactions, etc. Um, you know, we were born in the world of the web uh, and beyond, right? Web and mobile. So uh, we also have a lot of metrics we look at from the product perspective, right? Our products are instrumented to understand what, how much engagement we have with our platforms, who is spinning it. And one of the beauty about Pinterest is it's just not a passive uh, platform. Uh, when people come here to discover stuff, they're looking at images, they're reading stuff, and they're actively organizing them by clicking on save and like pinning them onto their boards. And that's a very good signal for us to understand what's working, what's not working, because we can overall not only see how much time they're spending on the platform, but we have a clear intent that we are seeing on the platform through some of the actions that they're taking within the platform. So you're trying to discern customer intent from from what? From the actions they're taking? Is that the right way to describe it or put it? That is right. That is absolutely right. So on the platform, actions like you know, say, uh, pinning it onto a board, how many boards they have, uh, all of those things are like uh, uh, directional indicators of engagement for us from the pinner perspective. And then from the advertiser perspective, you know, I always like to say, you know, money talks. Um, if people love our outcomes of our campaigns, they spend more. If they don't like the outcomes, they shift budgets and they go elsewhere, right? So uh, we have a very clear sort of, you know, quotes and quotes of voting uh, through dollar system that, that kind of works on the advertising side. So when we look at what's happening on the pinner side, when we look at what's happening on the advertising side, we can combine all of these perspectives. And like I said, um, I really wish it was as easy as putting everything onto a spreadsheet and just kind of sorting and picking the top two. Um, the best we can do with data is we come to the top three, four, five recommendations, and then we have discussions around what is the best outcome that we are trying to optimize for. We have uh, an interesting question from Arsalan Khan on Twitter who asks, how does or how should internal customer experiences affect external customer experience? I think it's an amazing question. Um, I think there's been so much research in the recent years that happy employees, engaged employees, 
the overall culture of empowerment within an organization leads to amazing experiences. Um, if I take kind of a little bit of a longitudinal view, for the longest time, the focus of customer experience had unfortunately transitioned to how to optimize, do more calls, follow a script, and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, we all have been on the other side of that call or that other side of that um, uh, engagement or interaction where we've been asked to reboot our computer, even though we know that is not the issue, right? And um, I think the evolution that is, is if we empower our uh, team members, they're often seeing the issues at the ground level. If we ask them, what is it that is going to help us give the best customer experience, 95% of the times, they have a better, more practical idea than what I can come up with. So part of our mission, at least at Pinterest and the same at Google, was to how do we engage and create that forum to suss out these ideas engage our team members, and make sure that they are part of the solution. So by creating that forum, we tend to get more happier, engaged internal team members. And then the discussion is not about, I need to follow a script, or I just need to close the transaction, or I just need to answer this and move on forward. The question is, how do I facilitate the best outcomes? And if I need to go out and do something extra, I go and do it, right? So it's the process of pure empowerment, creating forums as leadership team to get those ideas, activate those ideas, and creating the culture where people can go above and beyond. I think those are the real dimensions of that internal mobilization that needs to happen to deliver amazing, uh, not just experiences, experiences and outcomes. Yes, the focus on on both experiences and the outcomes. We t we tend to get lost in the experiences without connecting the outcomes to that. And very often, it seems. What about when you think about customer experience? Clearly, the product is a core part of that. And how do you break down the silos in order to ensure that? The, that feedback from the customers makes it way, its way back into the product in order to, again, improve that experience? It's a great question. I've been very blessed, I feel. Um, uh, uh, both, uh, both of my recent companies, um, we've always had the overall values, mission of truly keeping our pinners first or our users first. And as a company, we not only believe it, we act on it. So this makes my job so much more easier because uh, taking the feedback from what we are hearing, whether it is during a sales cycle, whether it's during objection handling, whether it's during uh, actual running of a campaign, we have a team called product operations that is responsible for actually looking at all of this data, synthesizing across new opportunities and improvements in our products and truly partnering with engineering and making sure that the biggest issues get solved. I think it's always a balance around innovation, 
right, on one side and improvement on the other side. And as a growing platform, that balance is sometimes hard to accomplish because we want to obviously showcase the great innovation and sometimes improvement lags behind. But by having the data from customers, having the data about what the market is asking for, I believe we are able to arrive at a better balance of innovation versus improvement uh, as we engage with our product teams. So speaking of innovation versus improvement, let's, let me bring in efficiency here. And how do you think about the balance between the efficiency of customer operations, which is to say saving money, versus the additional investment that's required in order to create a better customer experience? A lot of times those two are diametrically opposed when it comes to customer service especially. So it's a great question. And having been in different roles um, in my past and having done a lot of customer-centric and operation-centric work before I came to Pinterest, I think has evolved my personal thinking along the way. I think the traditional approach to a lot of problems around customer experiences, people can solve them. But we are at a very interesting junction, I think. Um, I think customers are expecting more and more personalization at scale. You know, think about our experiences when we engage with a company like Amazon. We're not only getting a very personalized website, we're getting very fast transactions in terms of delivery of service, but also when we go and reach out, we get extremely personalized outcomes in terms of how they're treating us, right? So this concept of personalization at scale is something that we will see more and more of a trend moving forward. Uh, the great thing about being at a company at Pinterest is we're still building everything, right? So we have an opportunity to look at, the, uh, look at what's coming in front of us and rethink. Um, I think my philosophy has significantly evolved and our, at least my, my first sort of uh, way of approaching this is, can we use technology to solve problems first, right? Let's take a simple thing, something that we are working at this point in time. A lot of our questions tend to be very basic questions, okay? Now, choice one could be to say, hey, we give them to, we shift costs and look at an option like outsourcing. Cheaper, but effectively we are shifting costs, right? The second option could be to invest in chatbots uh, that are powered through machine learning that are building intent models using our help center and our previous questions answered and give a very different experience. So I think the approach that I am looking at and my evolution in this journey is how do we solve with technology first? If there's no option with technology, how are we building the technology and the data to get there? And if all else fails, then we truly look at adding people, adding processes, et cetera, and solving that. So that's the big pivot that I think I have made through my sort of uh, a career and journey, not just in, um, not just in uh, customer operations, but kind of looking at all the functions that I have been, in the part, uh, been a part of. And where are we in, in the evolution of being able to use technology in order to provide those kind of better customer, the better experiences 
uh, without having to add more people. Like with chatbots, sometimes it seems like it's still fairly primitive days. I think it is very primitive days. We're just getting started. But the the good thing is um, the underlying, the underpinning technology is there. And like anything, there is a transition period and then it gets better. I almost like to compare it like, you know, uh, not that long ago, uh, before Siri was acquired by Apple, Siri was an individual, uh, like an independent app, and it did some very basic uh, things. The evolution from that to where Siri is in an iPhone, right, or uh, the Google Assistant or Alexa or uh, Cortana, right, the evolution that we have seen in the past three, four years, I think has been significantly augmented and different. And I think we're going to see the same sort of uptick. So a little bit of sort of my role is to look into the future and in make investments in a way that we are not bloating it today in a way that we need to make completely drastic decisions tomorrow. So what kind of investments are you making? I, I don't, I'm not trying to dig down into the, the deep secrets of Pinterest, although if you want to share the deep secrets of Pinterest, that's, that's good too. But uh, what kind of investments are you making today? Again, how do you draw the balance? Absolutely. So we're definitely evaluating. Uh, I mean, at Google, uh, we were able to do a lot of the stuff. And at Pinterest, we're also looking at sort of looking at really making sure that we have the right basis of data so that w- as we evaluate and introduce uh, technologies based on machine learning, et cetera, we are able to leverage and get the outcomes quickly. One of my biggest learnings from my past is it's not the algorithms, it's the data that matters. And having a good foundation of data is what will ultimately power this. So just taking some sort of a chatbot solution and like putting it, uh, implementing right away is ha- will kind of have, I think, some benefits, but not really significant benefits. Because effectively what we're trying to do is we are ha- we're copying some version of the phone tree into a chat system, right? Uh, uh, what makes it more powerful is if we have all the related data and then we're building a true intent model based on how we have actually answered questions, how we have actually solved uh, questions, what kind of artifacts we gave to customers to get them started, onboarded very easily, and then build that into the, into the, into the real-time interaction like a chatbot at this point in time. So that's one of the areas that we are exploring, but what we're really focused on is actually building that foundation of data at this point in time. So that when we start to introduce these technologies, it's not an incremental benefit, but a significant step up. Can you be uh, more specific about the kinds of data that you're trying to aggregate right now? I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. I think when we look at data, I think I, or I sort of see a sort of like three sort of big buckets, right? One, there is an operational view of the data. Think about all the transactions, interactions, etc. You know, at the end of the day, things need to be tied in. Everybody is collecting them in their own silos. It's very hard to join the space of data. So that's like the foundational element of what we want to do. Right. And that's what we're doing right now. The second, I think, is the customer view of the data. Okay, we are doing these activities. Is it leading to better outcomes? You know, I always say just because I showed up, is that actually good or 
this was actually going to happen regardless, right? So we need to understand through some statistical modeling, what is correlation, what kind of services, what kind of interactions can be attributed to better outcomes. So that's the second stage that we are working on, right? And the third stage is really sort of looking at a more business-centric view, which is more for business decision-making. But the combination of understanding what's happening in the operations to how our customers are spending, what our win rates are, what our churn rates are. That's the big connection that we are working on building at this point in time. And that that type of view enables you to connect the data that previously was uh, isolated in silos. That seems like the magic bullet ultimately. Yeah, I would. Um, I really wish it was a magic bullet, but that is, the, I think, the step in the right direction. <laughs> So, so, but it seems like, like from what you're saying, that being able to connect data from these multiple perspectives ultimately is the way to really understand the customer and therefore build the kind of predictive models that you need in order to have uh, machine learning enabled chatbots that become more than just fancy phone trees. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, right, if we can give somebody a very helpful set of tips on what kind of creatives work at Pinterest, knowing that they are somebody who is a specialty retailer is a great insight. It's something that we can surface and give them to give it to them right in the beginning versus having a lots of conversations and then giving them downstream, right? Because that's going to have a meaningful impact. It's going to probably stop them from spinning their wheels, doing things that's not going to work. Um, but, but we need to unpack and understand what is it that specifically will drive those great outcomes for our customers. And in a case like that, where you're talking about uh, content and aesthetic decisions, as well as financial uh outcomes and correlations or causations relating to, okay, you do this type of ad and you get this number of uh, clicks or results, click-throughs. Uh, how, how do you determine the, the outcomes, especially, again, on, on content and aesthetic decisions? How do you, how do you even approach that? So uh, the, the good thing about you know, uh, content, like especially with a platform like Pinterest, is um, you have two very good measures slash proxies. One is you click on it and you go somewhere, right? So if it's working, we know somebody will click on it, right? And uh, the second one is if somebody likes it, uh, hopefully they will pin it, right? So those are like two very concrete actions in the system that we know uh, over a period of time, if we collect that data, correlate that, we will be able to sort of give more concrete recommendations. And it's not like we don't have these recommendations. It's making these recommendations and making them extremely relevant when the customer needs it, right? So it's combining, like, give them the right information, understanding where they are, so that we can establish the right time to give that information. So that's the that those are the three sort of pillars that we're trying to connect together at this point in time. So you're always looking at the uh, at the data in relation to the customer, the desired customer outcome, pinning it or higher ad spend or click through rates. And so 
So is it, would it be safe to say that when you're talking about these aesthetic decisions, the only thing, the, 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 what the machine, the machine doesn't understand aesthetics, the machine understands that if you do a thing a particular way, that there's a higher likelihood that that item will get pinned, for example. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I think you summarized it very well because machines can't really tell you if something is good or not good, not yet, right? I think that I'm assuming that a technology is going to come at some point in time, but not yet. It can recognize patterns. It can tell you it's a banana or an apple, right? But it, it really can talk about aesthetic attributes yet. Um, and, and, and part of it is what is beautiful to me is going to be very different than what is beautiful to someone else, right? So um, uh, beauty is in the eyes, of a behold, the eyes of the beholder. And that's what we are trying to suss out through data. Okay, if it is beautiful, so what are you doing with it? right? Uh, and that's either a click, a pin, or some kind of an engagement in the platform. I guess it raises the very philosophical question, ultimately, can we, can we isolate the qualities of aesthetics into a set of rules if we have enough data? But then, even if you, even if you do that, those rules ultimately are always outcome-based in terms of decisions and you leave out, okay, the unique, innovative, brilliant combination or invention that somebody might come up with aesthetically that is really great, but we, but nobody ever thought of it before. I think, you know, when people talk about artificial intelligence, you know, they get sort of like this view of like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, coming out and like killing people in Terminator. And the reality is like these tools and technologies are really more assistive. You know, they can help us point in the right direction. Right, they can help us suss out noise patterns, etc. Uh, but I don't like the, at least for now, and what I know, it's definitely not at the stage where you can truly create rule-based systems and just automate everything out because aesthetics is so personal, and it is so context-driven. Right, you know, if you're an advertiser like Axe you know, you are probably okay with something a little bit more edgy than a probably a, a brand that is a little bit more conservative, right? Again, there's like all this dimensionality that is very hard to, uh, hard to sort of suss out and just put it in an algorithm. But regardless of the kind of brand you are or your aesthetics, if you're a brand on Pinterest, you want people to be pinning, pinning your materials. Absolutely. And that we know. <laughs> that we know for sure. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, what a very fast, a uh, little more than 45 minutes this has been. We have been speaking with Duda Saradeep, who is the global head of customer operations at Pinterest. And Duda, thank you so much for taking your valuable time and being with us here today. Thank you so much, Michael. Everybody, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. That's important. And we will see you soon. Check out CXOTalk.com for upcoming shows and to watch our amazing group of past shows as well. Have a great day. Bye.